Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. And here we go. of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, Juwan, and welcome to another episode of Geek Vibes Live. I just said that. Anyway, uh, we have a great <laughs> show on tab for you guys today. Uh, let me introduce our panel of amazing people, starting with Tia. What's going on, Tia? Hey, hey, hey. I'm happy to actually be on, and sorry that I missed last week, but I think we're going to have a great show tonight. We absolutely are, because we have returning. The silent assassin himself, Kanan. What's going on, Kanan? Not much. I'm glad that uh, we were all able to get together today because it didn't seem like it was going to happen at first. It did not. It did not. There was so much to talk about. So I am glad not only that we're doing a show, but we have the three of us on. Uh, Before we jump into our topics, I did want to give a shout-out to Krypton and the Excuse me. Hashtag save Krypton. Um, Kanan, I know you do. Uh, you did post on Twitter that it is being shopped around, which is always a good sign. Because um, I don't think Swamp Thing was was shopped around. It was just canceled. Um, this is this is very surprising. Um, again, we don't know how ratings go. I think ratings are harder to tell now than they have ever been because you have the ability to record your show and watch it at a later time. Um, so I don't think it's clear, Kanan, you could definitely speak to that. I don't think it's clear why Krypton was canceled, um, but hopefully we can get it to come back. I did catch up, and I did see the, the season finale. Um, spoiler alert for anyone listening that has not seen the season finale. I'll give you a second. Okay. Um, it ended to where it looks like we're getting dark side, <laughs> or they were looking to get towards dark side. Um, so just when the show is really starting to pick up and give you um, all of Superman's great be- uh, big bads, they cancel it. Um, so I wanted to go to both of you before we get into our main topic. Kanan, um, are you heartbroken uh, about the idea of Krypton possibly being no more? Um, I mean, I really didn't see it coming. So, I mean, I don't know that I'm heartbroken because I really am not too – shook up about anything anymore because I mean look what happened with Netflix and Marvel I mean those shows were some of the most popular shows on television and Netflix had no issues uh, canceling them so sci-fi canceling Krypton uh, really doesn't um, you know really doesn't move me at all because um, I I, I do think the ratings were, were decent enough and you know, if sci-fi can get away with Sharknado movies and zombie tidal wave movies, then I really don't understand why they can't continue, um, you know, a series like Krypton. But let's face it, uh, sci-fi seems like it was, you know, Krypton to me feels like it should be on another station altogether. So I really hope DC Universe or HBO Max or someone else picks it up. 
Um, but it's funny. This is the second time something's been canceled right before we got Dark Side. You know, Snyder <laughs> teased Dark Side for Justice League and uh, some follow-up movies uh, that were coming after Justice League that we're not going to get. Uh, hopefully, we get Dark Side with New Gods with Ava DuVernay. But then Krypton teases Dark Side, and Sci-Fi is like, and cut, and then that's it. It's like, all right, that's a wrap. <laughs> we're just gonna leave them hanging. And you know, once again, fanboys are all left just like with their jaw on the floor because once again, Dark Side's teased, and we're not gonna get to see him. So I don't know what it is about Dark Side. Like, if you're writing a DC show, stop mentioning his name or showing the Omega symbol because it's like certain doom. Like if Titan shows the dark side symbol, I'm just going to be like, all right, this is it. <laughs> Titan is canceled. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it just really sucks because I kind of felt as though I've never, to be completely honest with you guys, ever watched the show um, on sci-fi. I've, I've just never watched sci-fi. I think the first thing that brought me to sci-fi was when wrestling went to, um, when SmackDown went to sci-fi, I would watch it there. Um, but outside of that, I never watched sci-fi. Then in comes Deadly Class, which blew me away, got canceled. Um, Happy uh, blew me away, got canceled. And then now Krypton. Um, Krypton, I thought, was overachieving. Um, I think we all can agree visually it looked a thousand times better than anything we thought sci-fi could do. Um, so I was just I, – I couldn't imagine that the ratings were that bad, but um, – Tia, are, are you a fan uh, a fan of Krypton at all? Were, were you sad to see it go? I've actually never watched Krypton, not because I had any like aversion to it, just haven't gotten around to it. But when first of all, I obviously listened to your interview that you did um, with the one actor from Krypton, and I've seen. On numerous occasions, how many people enjoyed it, listened a lot to our friends at Seen and Nerd, how much they enjoyed it, and it seemed like it was doing really well. So it being canceled, you know, I'm just going to assume that that is to fans how I felt about, um, you know, the Netflix Marvel shows getting canceled. So I'm like, you know, my heart is with you. And it is strange that sci-fi seems to... I don't know what's up with sci-fi, right? If I had a show on sci-fi, I would be very worried because I didn't watch the third season of Winona Earth, but I watched the first two. And, you know, it's not the best show ever, but it was pretty decent as a nice cult following. They had announced a fourth season at uh, Comic-Con like a year or so ago. And then suddenly it was like four seasons put on hold. And everyone's like, what the hell? And it's like, well, they don't have the money for it, you know? And then Deadly Class gets canceled. Happy gets canceled. I would be worried uh, for Van Helsing, which is on the Sci-Fi Network, because now we've seen Krypton. And I would be worried if I was, you know, a huge Winona Earp fan, Um, just because it seems like Sci-Fi, for some reason, doesn't have the budget really for these shows but they'll continue making shit like Sharknado and everything. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know what it is. I, I kind of just feel like um, sci-fi does not know what it's doing. Uh, but you can't keep shelling out hits and then saying, I can't afford to keep the hits. Like, w- what is the purpose of introducing, like, do you do shows just for the idea of, like, it'll fail, but maybe if we can get two seasons out of it, like, that'll be enough. Like, I, 
I honestly don't get it. And as you said, huge shout-out to Cameron Cuff, the star of Krypton that we've interviewed, Sean Sipos, Wallace Day that we've had a, a written interview with, um, all very amazing people, and we had a great time interviewing them all. They're very passionate um, about everything that they were doing as far as the uh, their characters on the show. So it just sucks that this may be the last time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, seemingly I do want to point out to you, I kind of feel like, you know, as far as everyone that's a part of Geek Vibes Nation, I've lost the most out of, you know, the shows and movies and stuff that I enjoy. And you've lost the least. Um, I've lost the least. The (laughs) least. You can't can't count. I lost the Punisher. I lost Daredevil. Um, I don't understand why you're saying I lost the least. I lost a lot. (laughs) Oh, okay. Here we go. You ready? I lost binge. That's it, okay? That means a lot to me, Tia. That was my everything, okay? And you ruined that for me. Uh, but all right, let's, um, let's move on. Uh, no, in all seriousness, we do hope that Krypton is saved, um, and we can see more of it. I mean, they look like they were doing great things with it. Kanan, I do want to ask you, in that last episode, me and Joel were arguing about this. Do you think those things flying were Thanagarians or uh, – um, uh, what what is Darkseid's little minion thing called? Parademons. I said they were parademons. Joel thought they were Thanagarians. What what do you think they were? Uh, I mean, I mean, I can see where Joel's coming from, but I think they were a form of parademon. I really think that this is was what was leading. I think probably the first episode of uh, season three would have probably um, led into some form of apocalypse, trying to you know, come into Krypton, you know, so, um, you know, there are many different forms of parademons. So, I mean, it could have definitely been that or, um, you know, I don't, no, I, I think, I think they were, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take sides with Joel a little bit, but I, I, I think they probably <laughs> were a form of parademon. I do want to say it, fairness to Joel, who isn't here to defend himself, but fairness to him. He was making the point of um, Darkseid could be conquering planets. Like, this could be a, a, a very earlier version of Darkseid to where he's looking to conquer other other planets, so he's conquering the Thanagarians, and then next is Krypton. So, I mean, yeah, but the only thing that was confusing to me was is when you show the Omega symbol, and then you look up, they didn't look... I mean, again, it was a faraway shot, so I am being a bit dramatic here, um, so bear with me, but they did scream... Zack Snyder's parademons. That's what they looked like to me. They were huge. Like, they weren't small. They were huge. They didn't look like um, Thanagarians. That looked like parademons. Um, I mean, they, yeah, they, did they look like they were wearing, did they look like they had, like, Hulk faces? Like, I mean, would you think they were going to try to introduce uh, Hawkman and stuff? Well, when we spoke to Sean Sipos and when we spoke to Cameron Cuff, they both alluded to the fact that we might be getting Thanagarians sooner rather than later. Um, so it could have been. My only issue was it was such a faraway shot. It's literally up up to interpretation. Um, like Wallace Day's characters who landed on the planet um, saw the Omega symbol and then looked in the sky and saw these things flying. Um, I think Wallace Day would be the better person to ask who's in the sky. Um, but it, it to be fair to Joel, it could go either way. I just think it would make more sense to show the Omega symbol and then show that instead of Darkseid coming 
to wipe out the planet or whatever, he sent his parodies. It just would make more sense to me, but it could be either way. I was just curious on, on what you thought of it. Well, it, I mean, it looks not like... not a right or wrong thing. Okay, so, yeah, so it looks like... Uh, I mean, it looks like he could he could be right. I mean, because I'm I'm looking at Screen Rant. Screen Rant says that that they were the arrival of Thanagarians in the Krypton season two finale. So I don't know if Screen Rant's hmm. assuming that they were, but they you know if Sippos and and Cuff were teasing it, it looks like uh, um, Wallace Day may have mentioned it somewhere else too. So yeah, it looks like maybe they um, they but it's it's saying here that. Cameron Welsh had the idea to save Hawkman for later, uh, so who who knows? Maybe maybe they were going to try to introduce them uh, down the road. That would have been pretty interesting for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Cameron Cuff also alluded to us that we could see Lantern or the Lantern Corps uh, more specifically um, at some point. Also, like it was, he was saying it was being discussed of bringing other DC um, stables into Krypton. Which you would have to at some point. I mean, Krypton, everyone there doesn't, no one there has powers. Uh, so it's like at some point you got to bring on people that have powers to balance out the show. Um, especially well, that the makes sense. Doomsday and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense that um, they would have the Lantern show up because uh, Tomar Ray, he was actually assigned to that, that, uh, uh, quadrant, you know, he actually was the the protector for Krypton in the comics. Yeah, that's a so, good point. You know, for them to have a lantern assigned, you know, to that area, it would have been cool to kind of see him show up. Um, I don't really, I know I've seen some people kind of say that this season kind of got out, you know, it seemed like it was more about Zod. And I mean, I know on Krypton you're going to focus on him because he was like the main villain. So I do like that they threw in Brainiac and they threw in uh, Doomsday. And it may have been a little bit early for Doomsday, but I thought they did it pretty well. Um, my only beef with it really was I didn't really care for the fact that they made Doomsday controllable because we know Doomsday was not a, con- a controllable monster. Uh, right. And, you know, Zod had some power over him. So, I mean, they still kind of, you know, kept him, you know, at bay, not really the monster that we knew from the comics. So. I don't know. I thought this season was really good, and it really would have had the ability to continue, uh, you know, telling stories from DC. So, I, like I said, I, I do hope it gets picked up. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I, I do kind of understand why they kind of watered Doomsday down a bit. Um, essentially, everyone on Krypton is human, uh, in the sense of they're very easy to kill. So it's like if you have Doomsday as OP as he is in the comics, who's stopping him? Um, so, I mean, that, again, is, is why I said Krypton. I was telling Sean Sipos, Krypton is very uh, very similar to Gotham in a sense of you're introducing all the, the main superheroes' villains um, way ahead of when the superhero is actually born. So where it kind of cripples you is a planet like Krypton, when none of them have access to their powers, it's like bringing in Doomsday and Brainiac you got to kind of get crafty in, in your ways on defeating them. So it essentially means they're going to be watered down. Um, so, I mean, that's just that's the tough part. So, I mean, it, it's what you'd have to expect. But it does, you know, make me a little nervous that if they do get picked up, you can only make dark sides, but so powerful. Um, and, unless maybe you do like Sean Sipo said, and they take um, Cameron Cuff's character to Earth 
let him be, um, you know, let him get the, the yellow sunlight and then bring him back to Krypton and maybe he ha- or bring him back somewhere neutral. Now he has that superpower to take on somebody. It's, it's all possible, but I don't want Krypton to get too silly like Gotham ended up being. But um, all right, let's move into our main topic. Uh, let's start with some breaking news, uh, the most important news, really. Uh, Ewan McGregor will return as Obi-Wan Kenobi in a new Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it was reported that Ewan had signed a deal and that it would most likely be announced at D23 Expo, uh, which now seems very likely. THR um, reported on this in case anyone listening is like, oh, where did they get this from? But you should know by now. Um, this is huge news. Uh, I will say the only interest I have in this show is if Darth Maul is involved. And since we had Star Wars Rebels, which is canon and seemingly showed the death of Darth Maul, I don't know how likely or where even the story takes place, um, but I want Darth Maul. Uh, I, I think it's fitting. I think it's very fitting. Star Wars The Clone Wars set it up. Um, Han Solo set it up. Um, and Rebels, uh, you know, had the, the climax of, of those two. So I think it's fair to have it in there. But Obi-Wan Kenobi's story, if this takes place after Revenge of the Sith, is not, to me, to me, let let me stress that, is not all that interesting, (laughs) like, at all. Um, The most interesting thing to me was what um, Rebels did in the essence of um, him taking on Darth Maul again. Um, But uh, Tia, I want to go, I don't know why I was looking to call you Lisa. Tia, I'm going to go to you. Um, how excited are you to have Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, for apparently his own show on, on Disney Plus? Well, first of all, Juwan, I want to say that I have been a proud member of the Five Nation for over a year now, so you should know my name. No, I'm joking. Um, but, <laughs> um, I mean, it's cool. I like the prequel, so I thought that, and I might be like one of the only people who actually liked the prequels, but I thought I enjoyed Ian, them. Yeah, I mean, I thought Ian McGregor did a good job, so I think that's kind of cool that he's being able to reprise his role. Um, I think no matter what people kind of thought about the prequels, uh, the general public seems to have also liked him in that role, so it might be probably the only thing that you could bring from the prequels that, like, a general audience would be actually excited about. Um, but, you know, guys, I'm not that, like, big into Star Wars, so I'm just like, all right, that's cool. That's awesome. Again, Ian McGregor is a great actor, so, I mean, anything that he gets to do, and especially if he wants to reprise his role, great. I mean, that's kind of what that medium is for, and if they can kind of build more of the Star Wars world, um, you know, because soon we're going to have the end of the Skywalker saga, and it, they say that the films are going to take a break for a little while, so if they can build up the shows more and still, you know, be, um, you know, something for fans to enjoy, then I think that's cool, and I'm interested in see what they do. I will say, if you're Disney, and by no means am I trying to tell Disney how to go about their business, um, but the smartest thing for you to do is find a way to connect uh, this Kenobi series, or Obi-Wan series, to um, The Mandalorian. Uh, And obviously, you're not going to have either one of these guys, if they do ever cross over, have either one of them win, but you can have it to be to where 
just an episode, not, not a series, not four episodes, just an episode. They team up together um, or they bump into each other or, or whatever. But I think it would be great if you built a universe that seemingly is somewhat connected um, with your Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus. I just think it's, it's the best thing to do. Um, and if their timelines are, at, are even remotely anywhere close to each other, you're going to have people say, well, the galaxy shouldn't be that large that they never run into each other. So um, fingers crossed that something like that happens because that would be super dope. But Caden, uh, how huge is this news and how excited are you to see um, Ewan McGregor back reprising his role as Obi-Wan for his uh, series on Disney+. Plus? Uh, it's great news. I mean, it's good to finally have some type of confirmation, um, despite it not actually being confirmed by Disney. Uh, but I mean, how long has this been rumored for? For like a year now, oh, a little over a year. For a long time, it seems like. Um, yeah. So, no, I mean, I really, I'm really enjoying what uh, you know what Disney's doing as far as you know with all these shows, and I think it's going to entice a lot of actors to you know, sign back on or to, to take these roles because they're not like long series. You know, this is only going to be six to eight episodes and then that's it. I mean, so this is just going to be pretty much a bridge between, um, you know, the, the, you know, kind of the timeline and that's it. You know, it's not going to be Kenobi series one and season two, season three, stuff like that. So, you know, that was probably something Ewan was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I don't mind doing six to eight episodes. He gets to direct some. He gets to finish uh, telling his story, and I think he said before that he would love to come back and play Obi-Wan. So I think this is is huge for him. Um, As far as Darth Maul, I don't think we're going to see Darth Maul. I mean, I know they showed him in um, Solo. Um, I just, you know, there's a, I guess maybe there's a possibility that they go the route of, uh, you know, the series, uh, the cartoon series, and maybe show you know, their conflict, um, you know, there may be mentions of him. I just don't know that they actually bring him back. I mean, they could, um, but I actually don't, I don't see it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they could tell, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe we see Luke, a young Luke Skywalker. Uh, maybe we see Obi-Wan training, you know, Jedi on the side or something. I mean, who who knows? They're going to, they're going to find a way to broaden the, um, the canon that we already have. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we think we knew, you know, Disney's going to change it. I mean, it's, it's their story now. It's not George Lucas's. So, I mean, they can go really go in and do with whatever they want. And we saw that with uh, the last Jedi. I mean, they let Ryan Johnson just come in and do what he did. And, you know, so hopefully they don't, we don't see that similar tone with the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, but I mean, I think it's going to be really good. I would like to see, the series pick up right after order 66, him showing up on Tatooine, um, kind of overseeing Luke as a child, uh, you know, maybe even just some of the fallout with Vader, um, you know, where, you know, he just kind of, you know, feels like maybe he failed and stuff like that. I mean, I think there's a lot of possibilities that they can go with it. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be mall, but I mean, we'll see. It's huge news though. And, uh, I think it's definitely going to be the highlight of D23. Um, I know it's already out there, uh, but they really were trying to keep it on the wraps because from what the leak was is that he had signed his 
contract that was going to be the big announcement at D23, and it got leaked, and the trades got a hold of it. They were following up, and people were just, you know, from what I've heard, they pretty much were just confirming it. But Disney's still kind of keeping that, hey, we're not saying anything because we want to announce it. And I think there's going to be a lot more details with it once um, once D23 comes out. But I think that was going to be the huge news. I think a lot of people expect something Marvel, um, which there might be one or two things. But I really think this was going to be uh, the bread and butter for Disney at D23 because Disney Plus is the main thing. They kind of already showed their, their hand with Marvel at Comic-Con. D23 is really going to be the Disney spotlight where – I mean the Disney Plus spotlight where they showcase their shows. Uh, they they're you know probably talk about some other series coming out and then the big you know reveal of Obi Wan coming back. Of course, you know like I said it's kind of spoiled now, uh, so you know Disney deep down probably cannot be too happy about that. I will say Disney just with Marvel and maybe it's more of a uh, you know um, a pat on the back to Feige more so than Disney. But um, we all thought the biggest news to come out of sun, uh, that Sunday for for Marvel was going to be Thor. Um, the store four, right? Like we all thought, like, oh man, like it got leaked ahead of ahead of Sunday's panel. Like this is the huge news, and that wasn't the huge news. Blade was the huge news. Um, and to be more specific, Natalie Portman coming back to play female Thor was the huge news out of Thor four. Um, so I mean, with Obi Wan Kenobi, I I do strongly believe if this is a hundred percent. Um, accurate, 100% confirmed, and this is what Disney is going to be telling us at uh, D23. They have a villain in mind. They have supporting characters in mind. I don't think it's something as limited as, yeah, you guys already heard it, so yeah, Yo McGregor's coming back, whatever. No, I think there's more to it. Um, and I think that's why Disney's not freaking out, because they're like, all right, wait, all they know is that he's coming back? Cool, bet. Wait till D23, and then you hear the villains that we have. The, the secondary characters that we have, some of the planets that might be revisited. Maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi has a, a, an interaction with Vader at some point. Like, I think they have a lot that they plan on, on disclosing. Um, and, and I think, Kanan, one of the eights in the hole could be um, telling us that we could see a crossover between Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Mandalorian. Um, I think that would be huge news for them also. Um, it's a huge draw. And it would get anyone who maybe is skeptic about watching The Mandalorian, but enjoyed, um, you know, the the uh, Obi Wan Kenobi movies, um, the the prequels. Sorry, um, that can maybe get them into the idea of like, oh, you know, I, I would like to see that. I would like to see The Mandalorian, you know, crossover or whatever. Um, so I think Disney just has more to surprise us with, so they're not really concerned with well, small leaks. Well, real quick, okay, so Disney is doing their shows in two formats, okay? So The Mandalorian mm-hmm. is going to be a series. We already know we're getting season one, and we know they're working on season two. That is going to be a, a kind of its own story within the world of Star Wars, okay? There will be characters that are canon. You know, of course, this will end up being canon because Disney's not going to do anything that's not part of the Star Wars lore, but it's going to be its own kind of sandbox thing, whereas with Obi-Wan being six to eight episodes, it makes me think it's going to bridge the movies because we know that that's what the Marvel series are going to do. We know that Loki, his consequences, uh, his actions, I mean, in his his six to eight episodes or whatever 
are going to have an effect on the Marvel Universe. And we know from what I've read and from what's being reported is that it's going to – it's actually going to tie into uh, Thor um, Love and Thunder. It's going to it's going to show how – like pretty much what he does, it, the way he affects reality is it's how Jane ends up with Mjolnir and how she becomes Thor. So these sh- that show is going to affect Thor Love and Thunder, and the WandaVision show is going to affect the Doctor Strange movie. So right. that's that's how they're setting those up. So that makes me think that – I don't. I mean, of course, Obi Wan's going to film after Skywalker, but I think it's going to be kind of a tie-in to uh, stuff that we don't already know. I think it's going to be a bridge between movies. So, will it be a bridge after Han Solo? Will it be before? Are we going to see old Ben? Will you know they kind of de-age Kenobi and make you know kind of show him, um, you know, with the gray hair and stuff like that? We we don't know. But you're right. I mean, there are going to be some surprises. Disney's going to have to bring something else now because. Their cat's out of the bag. So it could be we get a villain. I mean, if it's Darth Maul, that's great. I mean, I would love to see more of him. Uh, they teased him and set him up big time for Solo. The problem is that movie didn't do so hot. Uh, so right. where do they go from here? Do they do a Solo series? Um, Which would who be knows? great. But, but we know they're teasing, a, they're teasing an astromech droid or some type of droid um, with um, – you know, so are they? Is Obi Wan going to really be on like missions? We don't, you know, is he doing stuff in stealth um, on the side? And you know, you got the Cassian Andor series um, coming out, which I think that's going to be more of a series and not just six to eight episodes. So I don't know, man. It's it's a lot to Disney's got so much dude to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, I do think if they're smart, they capitalized on the idea of doing a Darth Maul. Um, series, something quite similar to exactly what that fan film was. Um, they got a lot of people thinking that it was real. Something along the lines of that. I think Darth Maul series would just uh, do amazing things for Disney Plus's ratings um, as far as their streams. Because look at how crazy Kanan, you being um, Mr. Twitter, how crazy was Twitter that day everyone thought that was a real trailer? Um, for Netflix, like everyone was like, "Wait, is this is this legit? Is this really happening?" And I can't even lie, the fantasy film was pretty good. I mean, acting was whatever, but I thought it was really well done. Um, so I mean, Darth Maul is always in demand, mainly because no one knows anything about him if you didn't read the book. Um, so to me, it's like you could introduce him there in an Obi Wan Kenobi series, or just give him his own series. Either way. The fan base for Darth Maul is really big, um, and I, I don't think they're going to pass up on an opportunity to to do something with Darth Maul. Um, but all right, let's move on. Um, this one was interesting to me, and he is going to laugh the entire time. Um, Henry Golding uh, is being pegged to play Snake Eyes in the Snake Eyes spinoff. Now, I've said this numerous times. This is how you build a G.I. Joe world instead of just doing a G.I. Joe movie. You slowly build up all the characters, and it, you pretty much just do what Marvel's doing, to where you, you build a universe with the solos, blend it into a teen movie, um, so the teen movies mean more. Um, you know, so it's like a big, big battle whenever you hear the name G.I. Joe. Uh, so I think this is smart. Now, my only issue with Henry Golding is he's beautiful. Two things I have an issue with. One, 
how often is he wearing that mask? Because Snake Eyes you never takes off that mask. That is one. And two, what was really curious, I was talking to Joel about, Snake Eyes is mute. He uh, took a vow of silence around the time after his sensei was, was, um, was murdered, or maybe right after his sensei was murdered. Um, so he does not speak. Now, my question is, how do you market a movie by telling people this gorgeous man not only is going to be behind this mask, but he doesn't talk? Um, so I'm just really cautious um, on how they're going to pull this off uh, to where it's legit Snake Eyes, and it's not just a Hollywood version of Snake Eyes. Um, see, I want to start off with you uh, first. Um, uh, you at all interested in the Snake Eyes movie um, and your thoughts on Henry Golden um, being cast to uh, possibly play him? My only real interest is seeing how often he actually wears the mask to see how much of a conviction fit you actually have. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to be in that theater, and even if he, like, teases that he's going to take off that mask, you'll be like, don't do it. Don't do it right now. Oh, I mean, but... wait. I will say this to you. The one, the one positive thing this movie has, um, as, as far as me kind of reeling back being cautious, is that it could be a movie that just sets up Snake Eyes, and it ends with him taking the vow of silence, and it ends with him getting fully suited. My only issue is, if that's how it ends, you have to keep that same energy when you implement him into a G.I. Joe movie, meaning he still shouldn't be able to talk, and he should never have that mask on. So it's like I get it if you don't do it for this solo movie because you're you're telling the story of Snake Eyes, how he became Snake Eyes. So that is fine. He could talk throughout the okay. whole movie. The end credit you, scene could be him. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You need to keep that same energy for Halo. I'm just saying. Keep that same energy for the Halo series. Yeah, n- no. No, no, because the the only issue is, Tia, I keep telling you, all we have on Halo is the game, and he not once, ever, no flashbacks, nothing, ever was without his full body armor, head to toe. Snake Eyes has a story that we've actually seen before he transforms into Snake Eyes. That is acceptable. Halo I will never let you get away with that, Tia. Ever. <laughs> ever. Just so we're clear. Just okay. so we're clear. Um, no, but I mean, this this is a really good casting. I think he's a really good actor. I think he's the attractive guy that you kind of get to sell the tickets to people that probably have no idea who Snake Eyes is. Um, but to fans of Snake Eyes, I don't think we really cared who you got. I mean, he's supposed to be in the mask and not talking. So it's like, I don't need the, the world's best actor to do it. Um, but if the story is about setting up Snake Eyes, yes, you do need someone who could act um, really well. But it's just interesting because Kanan, um, what I always thought was interesting about this casting was Snake Eyes in the comics was always white. That's why he was kind of like the outsider um, once he joined Hiroshikage. No, was it Hiroshikage? I can't remember what the name of the, the ninja click that that, uh, that he joined. Um, but that's why everyone kind of looked down at him, because it was like, well, who, who is this kid? 
thinking he could join us. Um, so you then making him Asian, it's like, well, that that's out of it. Um, so I am curious, Shannon, would it bother you at all if at no point in this movie does he go mute or be in full costume? I mean, I, I don't – I don't think it's going to be so much, uh, you know, I think it's going to be like what you said earlier. It's going to be kind of a, a an origin tale where um, we see him, you know, going through the training. I mean, we kind of saw that in uh, the last G.I. Joe movie. They kind of really uh, went back and showed a flashback of uh, him and Storm Shadow's upbringing. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he, he was, a, he, he was a, an American or a, a white ninja, so he didn't really – you know, that was always Storm Shadow's issue with him uh, was the fact that he always had the master's approval and he wasn't even, um, you know, he, he really wasn't even of their uh, their race. Um, so them getting a, a, a great actor like Henry Golding um, or someone of his caliber um, to play that role, I mean, you know, bravo for Henry for wanting to do it. So to me, it makes it seem like it is going to be an origin tale. It's going to show his upbringing. Uh, and then the movie will probably end with him uh, suiting up or maybe towards the end, uh, he'll take the oath of silence. He'll suit up and then we'll see him, um, you know, without the, you know, in the costume. Um, but then if they do a sequel, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if they do another G.I. Yeah. Joe movie, does Henry Golding come back and, you know, you're kind of, I mean, you're setting yourself up for a movie franchise that's, you know, what are you going to do with that character? I mean, are you going to now make him talk? Are you going to make it to where he can, you know, he comes out of the mask? I mean, like, you know, Tia and we've talked about before, Hollywood has a real issue with characters wearing their mask. And in the G.I. Joe uh, franchise, cartoon toys all that he always had a mask on i don't think there was ever a time you saw him without it i mean maybe in some of the um the older stuff you did i mean i know you saw him as a kid but in the movies and in the toys and the cartoon he always he was always wearing the mask so i don't know man you know i was great i thought it was cool that we saw him uh get cast but at the same time i'm like um but he's gonna be in a mask the whole time and you know or not you know, like I said, are they are their hands tied now? Like after if this movie does really well and they do a sequel, what do they do now? They people are going to be pissed. Like Snake Eyes doesn't talk. Snake Eyes doesn't take his mask off. What do, I mean, what are you doing? So, I mean, and, and I'm with you because I, I like Henry. I actually wanted Henry to be Namor. Um, so I was excited that he was Snake Eyes until like I realized I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> Snake Eyes is mute. That's going to be a problem. And the Snake Eyes wears a mask all the time. Like, is never. And I read GI Joe comics. He never took off his mask. Uh, it was the same thing of if you guys ever watch um, Luchadors. Like Luchadors, it's it, it's a thing of they don't ever take their mask off. It's the same. Let me not say it's the same thing, but Snake Eyes has the same mentality of he never takes off his mask. Also, he was very uh, badly injured, I believe. So his face kind of doesn't look all pretty. So that's another reason why he keeps on his mask also. Um, but to me, I, I know Tia, and I know a lot of the world is like, what's the big deal? Like, okay, he doesn't wear his mask all the time. Um, to oh. me, I kind of think like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. Just 
because, you know, I don't know much about the character, obviously, right? And the mute thing might be uh, something that kind of factors in. But two things I wanted to point out, maybe mm-hmm. not really, because we've had mute characters before, um, like in The Boys, right? The female was mute. Yes, you could see her face, but it's a way that you could still incorporate a mute character and still give, like, say, personality just kind of comes from those who, say, are around her. and. Um, in The Dark Knight Rises, I mean, Tom Hardy's face was primarily covered up for most of the movie. You saw one very small scene of his full face, but besides that, he was kept in that mask the whole entire movie. So, I mean, it could work where you have a character who's in a mask for a whole movie maybe as long as it's introduced like that. Maybe not do an origin story and just right off the bat, he's in the mask so that no one is sitting there going, oh, well, I watched the first movie and there was this great origin story and he was talking and we saw his face, yada, yada, and I don't now want to see a second movie where that's not the case because you should have then casted anyone. Yeah, only only issue with that is Hardy wasn't, he was one of the lead actors, but not the lead actor. Like, picture if Christian Bale was in the Batman mask for 85% of that movie. Um, I don't think you're, you're able to sell that movie the same because people want to see Christian Bale's face. There are a lot of people that want to see Henry's face. He is not an ugly guy by any stretch. Um, so you're talking about your male lead not talking. Like your lead, the guy you're promoting the movie to be about, is mute and does not show his face. It's hard to market that. Um, because you need a face to sell it. So, I mean, I get why they, if, you know, when they do this movie, he probably will be, you know, even if it ends with him being fully dressed in a G.I. Joe movie, probably won't um, be wearing his mask all the time. I get it from a marketing standpoint. Like, I get why people do it. I am just saying that is my, uh, that is my frustration of taking characters who primarily are supposed to wear masks um, and then getting some of the, the more marketable faces in Hollywood to play those characters, because that's you ultimately telling me. Like, even, for example, let me give you a great example, Tia. He wears it often, but Robert Downey Jr. wanted his face shown so much, we see inside the mask. Like, that is insane. He doesn't just have it to where he's just Iron Man and we're just seeing just the suit. No, 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 no. He either has his, his mask off a lot, or we see inside of the mask to see his face. Um, the only person who truly stuck to the nature of the mask was Chris Evans. It never really had an issue with it, and he's arguably the most beautiful out of everybody uh, the MCU has. Um, but to me, that is important because that's integral to the character, everything about the character. Snake Eyes doesn't talk. You can't find a way around that. Um, and you also can't forget a movie where he doesn't talk. Um, so, I mean, it, it'll be fun to see how they play it out. I think it's a great casting. I think it's a smart move to have these individual movies that form up into a team-up. But it's a lot of risk. It, it, it is. And, and to your point, Tia, I do feel sorry for Pablo Shriver because if they do not have him in a mask religiously, he is going to receive the backlash. Not, not Showtime, not, not the showrunners. Pablo is going to have to eat all that. Um, and it's not his fault. He doesn't control that. But it's what comes with the territory. 
Um, so, I mean, I'm excited for both, uh, both Halo, both Snake Eyes, but there's a bit of a risk that comes with it when it comes to characters that don't ever show face, you're about to show me face. Um, so, but, you know, maybe they do it in a way that I'm completely wrong and it works, and I hope that is the case. Because I'm a huge fan of Snake Eyes. I was a fan of Snake Eyes before Batman. Um, and I grew up on Halo. So I have no I have no interest in not liking anything that they show. I just hope that it's authentic. Um, but all right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's move on. I wanted to make sure we talked about this early so we had enough time to talk about it. Um, some of the over 200 movies Disney has canceled under the Fox umbrella were Magic the Gathering, Chronicle 2, McLean, Die Hard 6, Flash Gordon, Assassin's Creed 2, Mega Man, and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Now, the reason why I wanted a lot of time to talk about this is, on surface, you hear all these names, and you're kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever, like, I don't really need any of these. Um, but then on the other hand, you think of the success Disney has had. Disney does not usually, if ever, in the past maybe, what, five, ten years, um, really put out movies that were bad. Uh, maybe not that great, but weren't bad. Um, so let's go down the list. Uh, you look at Chronicle. The first Chronicle, I believe it did well. Really good movie. You look at Die Hard 6. You can say the last three were unnecessary. Um, you look at Assassin's Creed. Um, that first movie was just the highest form of garbage. Um, it really gives Dragon Ball Evolution a, a run for its money. Um, Mega Man and then a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That first one was classic. Um, but you kind of look at it and you go, I would see where they kind of are like, no, 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 thank you. Um, but see, I want to start off with you. Out of all these movies that I made, if they were doing continuations or reboots, what is the one title out of all those names that I, um, that I, that I listed? that you really hope Disney kind of changes their mind about and decides that they want to work on it? The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I don't know if you guys know this, but that and, like, Fight Club and Freddy vs. Jason were, like, my three movies that I consistently watched back when I was in high school. I love The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's Victorian era Avengers before we got the Avengers movies. Um, yeah. Say what you will. Say what you will about that movie. I will go to my death defending it. I loved it, that film. It was like classic steampunk. Um, and I was waiting for a second one because if you watch the movie, you know that they perfectly set up for a sequel, a sequel that never happened. I sat year after year. All right, when's the sequel going to happen? When's the sequel going to happen? Sequel never came. And I particularly loved Jason Fleming as uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So, I mean, when they said reboot, I'm like, okay, well, then the idea of him, like, say him and others coming back to reprise their roles is most likely incredibly slim. But either way, I think that they could do a really good job um, if Disney decides to actually do it because, as I just said, the whole idea of it is bringing all these Victorian-era uh, literary characters and bringing them together in a very similar way to what Disney's doing with the Marvel Universe. So, to me, it would almost be the easiest um, 
one for them to redo. And they could even do something where they do um, separate movies, do a, a Dorian Gray film, do an Invisible Man, do a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and bring them together. You could do that. So I feel like for me, and especially being a fan of the original movie and the comics, um, I really hope that at some point Disney decides to kind of change their minds on that because to me it feels like the easiest for them to bring into the big screen. And I feel like the costumes would be amazing. Everything would be great. I feel like they'd be able to do a lot more than what they did with the original movie. Yeah, I remember after the first one came out, I remember telling my dad maybe almost every year, like, man, Sean Connery's getting older and older and older and older and older. Like, when are they going to do the sequel? And then he just was like, (laughs) they're never going to do the sequel. Like, they're just never going to do a sequel to this movie. Um, And, and yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, really quick. And you know what was really cool about them? Again, you're getting me, like, really excited. My, like, blood pressure is rising here. Um, But (laughs) their technology that they decided to implement during this movie was really cool because I watched the commentary, of course. Um, When they were doing, say, like, the transformations of Dr. Jekyll into Mr. Hyde, that was, like, all kind of done with, like, flash photography. So it was just really cool, the things that they decided to implement during that movie. But I'm sorry, Juwan, you you go. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm completely with you. I was just going to say that I would defend Freddy vs. Jason with you to the day I die. I love that movie. I, I still I to this day love that movie. Um, I, I have nothing bad to say about that movie at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that that would be one of the ones that I'm – I'm with you, Tia. Like, do something with it. Everything is there for you. Um, Kanan, I'm going to go over to you, man. Which which one of these are, are, are the ones that you're looking at and you're going, you got to rethink. you got to rethink this, and you got to maybe put pen to the paper and try something with one of these. Uh, well, I mean, I think definitely the, uh, the Mega Man movie would be uh, something that would be interesting to watch. Um, I think also... Uh, of course, uh, a reboot of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, would be pretty cool. And I would even suggest, uh, you know, not canceling the Assassin's Creed franchise, but maybe uh, you just rework it some. Uh, I, and I know they're not going to probably do the McLean movie, but I thought that would have been pretty good. I know Tia's like, who needs another Die Hard movie? <laughs> I mean, I love the Die Hard franchise. I mean, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, PG-13 version with uh, Timmy, Timothy Oliphant. Um, yeah. I thought that was a, a pretty good film. I mean, it That's was way great. better than the R-rated one with Jack Courtney. Uh, but they're all entertaining, and I thought it would have been pretty cool just to see, uh, you know, see them continue that. My, my only issue with uh, this whole situation is that – we may not ever see these type of movies ever again because a lot of it seems like Disney, you know, they bought the the license for this to uh, to put the content on Hulu uh, and to get the rights back to Marvel, but they don't seem like they're con- they're ever going to do anything with that property that Fox had, and it's a real waste. So if you're not going to do anything with Die Hard. I wish they would sell the license, but they're not going to because they want the dar- the Die Hard movies on Hulu. They want that 
property, and it's just a waste, you know. Uh, you're never going to – you know, Mega Man, why aren't you going to do anything with that? I know they've got a Netflix Magic the Gathering, but these are just some of the movies I listed. I mean, there's a ton of more movies uh, listed that uh, Fox had in development that uh, will probably never see the light of day from Disney. So, you know, you're kind of just like, well, what does this mean? Are you never going to make another Alien movie? Are you never going to make another Predator film? Uh, you know, we keep hearing the, you know, it's like, why did Disney really spend all this money? You could not have spent all this money just for to get the rights back to Marvel or just so you could have Die Hard on Hulu. There's I mean, so, so much to do with this. Do you think it's one of those things where they're just canceling what's in production now because they're like, it's still kind of under the Fox uh spotlight and has, uh, you know, things that are akin to Fox, and we just kind of don't want to do that in the direction that they were looking at, and eventually down the line, we'll do it in our direction, or do you think this is Disney just saying, like, no, we're not interested in this at all? Because it would be a waste for them to have purchased all these titles to not do anything with them. I think a lot of them... I think a lot of them, yes. I, th- I think a lot of the titles Disney will never have any intent to make anything else. And the ones that they uh, are interested in, they're wanting to reboot, like Home Alone. Like, no one asked for that. Read the room, Disney. No one is asking for you to reboot Home Alone. Literally Not no one. Not <laughs> anyone. Yeah, literally no one came to you and said, you know what needs to be rebooted? Home Alone. You know what needs to be rebooted? Night at the Museum. I'm like, why? Like, no, dude. None of these – nobody has come and said, oh, I think you need to reboot the uh, Cheaper by the Dozen franchise. Like, mm, Disney just doesn't get it, and that's going to be the problem. They're going to take a lot of those properties, and you know, they're going to reboot them uh, in their image. So we're going to get a Disney-fied Home Alone. And I don't really understand why they're doing that. You know, they seem like they're shell-shocked when it comes to some of these properties that Fox had. Like, honestly, they keep saying they don't mind making an R-rated Deadpool, but why do we keep getting ports that making an R-rated Deadpool scares them? Why are they so freaked out over the JoJo Rabbit movie? You know, to so about image, uh, squeaky clean type image that you know, you can make these movies under the Fox umbrella and keep doing your own thing. No one's going to think twice. As long as the uh, you don't have that Magic Kingdom uh, castle in the front of your, uh, of your movies, no one's going to think twice. Just keep making movies under the Fox banner with the Fox 20th Century Fox logo or whatever, and – People are going to be like, oh, look, you know, Disney owns Fox. You can have a Disney company or whatever, the same way Universal does. Universal still has the logo. It just says a Comcast company. They're not freaking out about this kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's, I think that came the thing, the sale. But I wish Disney right back to and I wish so would have picked it, would have done these just continued these uh, and those well, are the kind I of mean, movies that Fox put out. 
I think when when you say they didn't read the room, I think they read the room, just not the right room, because there's there's uh you know there's a uh, if you look at the names of the movies that you like, like why why are you touching them? There's something similar in all of those uh, franchises that they're looking to uh, to redo. That they're all family movies. Not one of those movies are, are PG-13. They're all family movies. That's their focus. That's all they well, really and, care about. Well, um, you know what's but, funny is that they canceled the Sandlot, the the prequel or the sequel to the Sandlot, the prequel or whatever that they had planned. That was mm-hmm. on the list of movies that were canceled as well. Well, I mean, why would you cancel that, Disney? You you want to reboot everything else. So, I mean, the Sandlot was pretty family-friendly. So, I, I don't know what they're doing, dude, honestly. Go ahead, Tia. Were you going to say something? I didn't want to I jump just, in over you. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think what scares them, say, about Deadpool is, if you remember when the first Deadpool came out, I mean, it was rated R. The commercials were pretty rated R, but guess what happened? Mothers still brought their kids to freaking Deadpool because they didn't pay attention to an R rating, and they were just like, it's a superhero movie, and then they got all pissed off on the internet about the fact that they brought their kids to a movie that said fucked a thousand times and had, you know, sex on screen and all of that, and it's like, I think what Disney's worried about is that people are just going to see that it's Disney and not care, like, hey, no, this is still the same Deadpool that it was prior, um, and, you know, just take their kids anyway, and then they're going to be pissed at Disney, and Disney's going to come under fire. But honestly, this whole situation is bringing Disney even more under fire, because you had people who were really against Disney before this, and now that they're deciding to end all of these projects, people are super pissed at. They're like, F you, Disney, do you have any hashtags I've seen on Twitter, people are not happy with this. And as far as Jojo Rabbit, who are you worried about offending people who actually like Nazis? I mean, what does it matter? Like, it's a satire. It's supposed to be that way. But for some reason, that, you know, freaks them out. Like, when I saw that at first, I was worried that they were going to scrap Jojo Rabbit the same way, um, you know, Blumhouse and scrapped the hunt. I was like, oh, geez, now this is going to happen. And I was worried about that because, you know, I feel like that would have uh, kind of strained relationships with Taika Waititi. And, oh, God, I mean, it, this seems like a very fragile uh, thing that's going on right now. Well, Disney Disney just puts itself – I mean, no one no one believes Disney. They, they just have no interest. Uh, honestly, that that that's all it is. I mean, you telling me you don't you don't mind doing a rated R Deadpool movie, but I can't get Alien. I can't get another Die Hard. I can't get Chronicle Two. Um, all movies that you could say on a lesser level to to what you essentially have to be doing with Deadpool. I just I I I don't really buy it. I I, I don't buy it. But at the end of the day, to be completely honest with you, I mean. <laughs> You look at it and you go, they essentially just bought Fox, so Fox just couldn't really exist anymore. Like, they didn't have to worry about Fox. Like, they now have it. Um, and in a sense, you kind of got to respect it. I mean, we've been dreaming of the day of having these characters back. We got them, but now we have to pay the price. The price being everything that we saw we wanted from Fox, just not by Fox anymore, we're not going to get it all. Um, so, I mean, I, good with the bad, I guess. I mean, 
good being when we see the X-Men film in a few years. Bad being probably won't see aliens ever again. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's un- unfortunately the, the give and take of um, a conglomerate like Disney, who obviously does not really care about its fans, just really cares about the bottom dollar, which is to be expected. Um, but all right, let's move on. Um, rumor has it, Sony is said to be trying to get Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones back into the Men in Black mold after the disappointing box office of Men in Black International. Cannon, I want to go to you first, because I want you to explain this a little bit more, like clarify it um, for, for all the listeners who are kind of like, wait, does that mean they're going to make more movies with those two, or does that mean they're going to do... They're going to combine Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson with the. I don't know. I just know I didn't need another one after Men in Black 3. So anything you do at this point is just a moot point because whoever directed the, the first two, whether it was two different directors or the same person, you're never going to get that, um, that feel that you got in those two movies. Like, that's gone. The third one destroyed that. Um, so, Kanan, like, what more do you have any more information as far as like specifically what they're trying to do as far as a continuation like a Men in Black Four or just integrating them with the Men in Black International? Uh, I mean, I really don't have anything more other than what I put on the on Twitter. You know, is that Sony uh, really wants to get they they feel like the franchise really won't go anywhere. Um, without bringing Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith back. So they really want to get them back in the fold. Um, you know, they were really disappointed with how Men in Black International turned out. And But uh, I also was reading that the studio plans to kind of, you know, let the franchise rest a little bit before they move forward. So I don't know how much resting they can do because Tommy Lee Jones isn't getting any younger. I mean, you could always try to bring Will Smith back, um, but, you know, there just didn't really seem to be a lot of interest for the film with, without them two in it, even with uh, even with the chemistry that people thought uh, Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth had from Thor. I mean, a lot of people, when I went to my screening, they were walking out and said they just – they didn't really – they didn't mesh in this movie, and I think that's what really hurt it. And plus, Chris Hemsworth – you know, I think they they just made him out to be kind of a, a – I mean, I don't know if y'all seen it or not, but he's really just like a dumb blonde. He, he He's kind of a stereotypical airhead-type agent, and he didn't really, like, play up to, you know, the strengths, I think, that they thought he could have, you know, for the film. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I liked, you know, the addition of uh, – um, uh, Liam Neeson and uh, like the Kumal Najini as the little uh, alien. I thought that he was funny as hell, and he was probably the best part of the movie. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was kind of missing Will Smith, and it was missing uh, Tommy Lee Jones. But I liked what they tried to do. They tried to make this its own thing, and they and you know create a universe, like create their own Men in Black uh, cinematic universe, and it just didn't just didn't work out for them. See, I think the smart thing to do would be instead of making Men in Black 4, um, reboot it, and you just have it to where the movie is about essentially 
Uh, and I think the guy you could get to replace the um, the guy that ran uh, Men in Black in the first three movies, get the um, Tia, the guy from um, American Gods. I literally think I cast this guy for everything, but get him to yeah, be the one that replaces him. Yes, thank you. That's his name. Get him to replace him and have the movie be about um, the agency feels as though uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones' characters are getting too old for the job. So the movie is about them finding um, the next agent to replace them. Um, and you get some pretty notable names to, re- uh, to be the, the agents that they get to replace them. And then you just hope that, um, you know, when they pass the torch, they're passing the torch to two names that can carry this franchise. Um, I think that's just the smartest thing to do that way. People who are fans of the old men in black, they still have Tommy Lee Jones and Seattle's Will Smith, but they're starting to, like, the point of rebooting it is for them to understand this is passing of the torch. This isn't, uh, not Mission Impossible, I'm sorry. This isn't Men in Black 4. This is us saying, hey, we're too old for this. (laughs) So here's the next next two guys up in line to do it. I think if you take that approach, you kind of still have the box office of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, Um, but those two names you're getting as the the new people, the new guys on the block, the new kids on the block, they have to be pretty big names. Um, and I think if you could do that, you could then have in that movie somewhere, whether it's in the sequel or whatever, have it be that they have to work with an international team. And then if you want to bring back Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, they could form, like, you could do a crossover of those two movies. I think that's the smartest thing to do, but I think if you keep trying to, do you know MIB International and MIB Space? Like it's it's always gonna fall flat on its face. Because um, I honestly I didn't see the movie Canon, but I don't think it missed Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones only because the third one was not good and it had both of them in. Um, I just think it it probably wasn't the best of scripts. Um, honestly, I mean when I heard who the director was, I wasn't really blown away. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, this is pretty much about exactly what I expected this movie to be. Um, so, I mean, but uh, they're going to do what they're going to do. But, I mean, if you're going to make MIB International, you really should have just did a uh, 21 Jump Street crossover. Like, I think you would have maybe came out better if you did that um, than doing what you essentially did. But we will see. Tia, I go to you. Um, your thoughts on this? Do you think bringing back Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones can revive it? Um, or do you think this franchise is something that just is dead? I think, honestly, at this point, it sounds like the franchise is dead. I did not like Men in Black 3. The first two, great. The third one, terrible. I did not see um, International, so I can't really say anything about it. Um, from the trailers, it looked really funny. I thought it looked really good, but... Um, you know, the general consensus was that it wasn't. Kanan seems to, you know, have enjoyed it a little, which, you know, maybe one day I'll take a look at and see for myself, obviously, because I thought that uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson had great chemistry in Thor Ragnarok, but that doesn't always translate based on, say, the directors um, from one movie to another, so who knows, but I don't know. It Certainly, please don't bring back Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. That's the same thing like, I don't know if you guys heard, um, I don't know how true it is. I think it's true, so correct me if I'm wrong, that they're coming out with another Rush Hour. 
I loved the first two rush hours, but please, no. <laughs> we don't need another one. And that's the same thing like this. We don't need another one. Just focus on more original content instead of trying to relive that magic and that spark that you guys did maybe 15, 20 years ago. That, and that's the problem. That's something that we were talking about on Friday. It just seems like instead of sitting down and figuring out new ideas, they're like, hey, remember that movie that was a hit back in the 90s, early 2000s? Let's do like a sequel to it that no one asked for. So I ask you this, Thea. I ask you this. So if they were to reboot it with, mm-hmm. let's say, and I know <laughs> – I got to look up more black actors because I feel like I say the same three names. Um, but if they did reboot Rush Hour with Henry um, Golding and Michael B. Jordan, would you be interested in that? Like, it's it a reboot. It, it's, it's not like you know a continuation. Who, it's a complete reboot. You know who I'd like to see in that role? You're going to laugh at me. Um, Jason R. Moore, the guy who played Curtis in the Punisher series. I would like to see him in more things, or um, Malcolm Goodwin, I think would, you know, be really good in that role as well. I may be interested more if they decide to reboot it instead of um, coming out with another sequel. No shade at all to, you know, Chris Tucker and uh, Jackie Chan. It's just, you know, they're older now, and that's fine. We all age. You would hope that we all age, but we don't need it. We don't need it. I just think continuations are where you go wrong. I think reboots are um, are better if you're bringing back a title that we've seen before. Just reboot it, especially if it's like to 20 me, years old. Reboot it. To me, the only like revival that I can say works, and at least this is in my humble opinion, is Jurassic World, the first one. To me, they did it right. They they found some way. And apparently, people have not been able to replicate that in other senses, but they found some way to not only still be nostalgic and hit all of those nostalgia factors for kids who grew up with the original Jurassic Park, but also make it a new one with new characters that people can enjoy and it not feel like it was just trying to, you know, carry on with the Jurassic name and just make money. At least the first one felt like that. The second one, eh, first Jurassic World was great. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really argue with that. But then again, that Jurassic World didn't really have, I don't think it had at all anyone from the original one. So, I mean, it was a reimagining or a retelling of a continuation. It, it, it's weird how you classify that movie. Um, it didn't bring anyone, didn't bring anyone it back. Was, it was like a sequel and it lived within the universe of Jurassic Park. It right. just didn't have the same characters. Cause it, and it said, it was like, that did exist. That did happen all this time ago. But instead of the park officially shutting down, it just, you know, came back and they redid it. And they put extra security protocols. But you know that it exists within the same world because – in the second Jurassic World, they brought back C.D. Wong. So, right. you know, you yeah. had at least that there. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. It's just yeah, reboot it. 
Um, but all right, let's move on. Uh, we got some Mortal Kombat news. We got a couple castings. We got Ludi Lin uh, as Liu Kang. We got C.C. Stringer um, as Melina. Um, we got Ken Dabu Asano uh, as Raiden. And then we got Makad Brooks as Jack. Um, now, that is the one I will never um, be okay with. I do not think he is a good actor by any stretch of the means. Uh, I was really bummed to hear that he got that role. Um, but, Shannon, I want to start with you. Your thoughts on some of these brand-new castings that we got um, for Mortal Kombat? You liking them? You not liking them? How you feel? Um, I mean, as far as uh, Ludi Lin and Liu Kang, that's, to me, that's a perfect match. Uh, he didn't get Shang-Chi, which I really thought he would. Um, but Liu Kang is, you know, is right up there. I mean, the dude has got the look, the tone, uh, for it. So I'm, I'm really hyped, uh, for him. Um, uh, Sissy Stringer, she's a kind of a new kid on the block. I've never really heard of her. I like her look. Um, I do agree with a lot of people that immediately jumped on. Okay. So it's funny is people were saying she's Jade like underneath the comments and even on the page. And I'm like, I mean, clearly they said she's cast as Melina. She's not Jade, but she does look like Jade uh, to some degree. So I think she would have been a good fit for her as well. Uh, the, the one casting that I'll get to Raiden in a minute, but the one casting that really, has me thrown for a loop and I'm with you and I have nothing against Makad Brooks. I mean, the guy has a fit body. Uh, he's got the height, but he really doesn't come off as Jax to me. Uh, I think he's going to have to do a lot of bulking up to kind of be like the character that we know from, um, you know, from the video game. And I, I, I said it in the Slack channel, I honestly felt like that would have been a role perfect for Winston Duke, uh, who played uh, in Us and he played in the Black Panther movie. I thought that, I thought he would have been uh, I thought he really would have been perfect for that. I mean, that dude just has the look, the build. But I mean, I'm like I said, I'm not gonna knock uh, Makad for getting it. Um, you know, I'm still not really sure where this movie's going because. They still don't have like a home run, other than Ludi Lin as Luke Kane. They still really don't have a home run cast. This really just seems like kind of like the first Mortal Kombat movie where they went and got a bunch of relative unknowns. I mean, um, and you know, put them in the movie and said, "Let's see how this does." Uh, I told, uh, um, I told them in the Slack channel though, from what I've heard. Uh, Scorpion isn't even going to be in the movie, and so that so honestly, I mean, I guess I'm I'm kind of approaching this very bitter uh, because they're going to have Sub Zero, but you're not going to have Scorpion, and he's one of the main uh, characters from the Mortal Kombat franchise, and they've announced Melina, but where's Katana? Uh, so I'm not really sure where they're going with this, uh, but as far as uh, Tadanobu Asano, uh, the actor from the Thor movies, um, another actor who didn't get enough time to shine, uh, so I really can't say 
how good he's going to be as Raiden. I think that's a pretty interesting choice. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, right now the big home run hire, uh, big home run casting uh, is Ludi Lynn as Luke Kang. But other than that, I mean, the cast is just very mediocre right now. Uh, very mediocre. And if Scorpion isn't in it, um, I'm definitely not going to have any excitement um, for for this That's movie what I'm because hearing, dude, for sure. Scorpion is who made it for me for the original. Um, I love Scorpion. I love when you slowly see his hand open and then like the things start coming out of his hand. Like, and I loved like to me that's iconic. Hearing him say "get over it," like hearing that is just iconic. And even if you're telling me the movie ends with teething Scorpion, it's still not good enough for me. Scorpion, if Sub Zero is in it, Scorpion needs to be in it. And I'm going to be complete, completely honest with you. No one really cares about Sub Zero. Everyone loves Scorpion. Um, so I think that's a huge mistake, a huge, huge, huge mistake on their part. Um, and yeah, Makad Brooks, he just never, never impressed me as an actor. Never did. Um, and to be fair, really the only thing I've ever seen him in is Supergirl, and that whole show doesn't impress me. Um, so maybe it is a little uh, one one sided on my part. Um, I, I'll be honest about that, but I nothing about him really does it for me. I mean, he had just said Jason Armore before. You could have even gotten what's his name from um, that Sandra Bullock movie where they all couldn't see. Oh, I can't think of that guy's name. Uh, I can't think of his name at all, but that guy would have been a way better Jack, um, you know, than than Makad Brooks. But nothing we could do. But I'm with you, Kanan. You, you, they hit a home run with Ludi Lynn. Um, that was definitely a guy you couldn't pass up on, um, and he made he makes all the sense. Um, but Tia, how are you feeling on some of these castings? You liking them? You not liking them? How you feel? Um, I mean, obviously. It's- kind of just to echo what you guys are saying, I am excited that Ludi Lin was cast. We interviewed him some time ago after Aquaman first came out, and as you guys said, he was kind of, you know, being looked at for Shang-Chi, didn't get it, which is disappointing. Not that um, I am disappointed with who they actually went with, but still, it's nice to see someone who, you know, was kind of in the running or being looked at to kind of go into another, uh, hopefully, big franchise. So, but besides that, um, not really sure about most of the others. I guess I would just say that um, that guy, Makad, is going to have to really bulk up like really bulk up and I liked um Kanan's idea that uh Winston Duke would be a perfect fit. Yeah, I mean I'm trying to look up the, the guy's name that I was talking about. But um I mean it to me the thing is and what's funny is uh to Kanan's point of, you know, you not really getting home run names. Like I was okay with that because I spoke to that. Um I spoke to the idea of I didn't need this movie to have standout names. Um, I actually prefer that it didn't have it. My only issue is you going with no names, but Makad Brooks is somewhat of a name. Like, people know him, even if it's just from Supergirl. They know him. And I kind of feel like you didn't really... Trevante Rose, that's his name, Trevante Rose, um, from Bird Box. He was in Bird Box. That guy would have been a thousand times better because you would have had the acting that you would have had the star power. Um, and he has the physique. I mean, yeah, would have you had to bulk up maybe a little bit more? Sure. 
But that guy already was, was pretty big. Um, you could have gotten you could have gotten the guy, and I forget his name, which is terrible because I interviewed him as well. I think it's like David something, but um, the guy who played Manchester Black in Supergirl. Yeah, that's where you lose me. He was from Supergirl. I probably didn't see it. Um, but, uh, I mean, just anyone but Makai Brooks. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. And if we ever get Makai Brooks for an interview, I'm still going to kiss his butt, but I don't think he's a good actor. Uh, I'm just putting that out there in case you guys are like, you interviewed him and you seem so nice to him, but you think he's a bad actor? Yeah, because I'm doing my job, but not a fan of his acting. All right, um, let's move on. One of the bigger rumors to come out, um, former James Bond actor Pierce Brosnan is being eyed for a role in Matt Reed's The Batman as Alfred Pennyworth. I don't have any issues with this. I originally fan-casted him for Commissioner Gordon. Um, never really thought Alfred, really, because I still kind of view Pierce Brosnan as kind of young to be Alfred, but Jeremy Irons kind of seems young to be Alfred. But regardless, um, I, I, I don't think this is a bad move. Um, I kind of want my Alfred to be a hybrid. I want him to be in between Michael Caine and Jeremy Irons to where um, he's stationary, but he does, like Jeremy Irons' Alfred did a lot of work for Bruce. It, it wasn't just, hey, I brought you your tea and gave you life advice. Like, no, I just built your Batmobile. You know what I'm saying? Like, Or I just repaired it. Um, so I kind of want my Alfred to be like that. Um, but, Kanan, I'll go to you first. Bruce Brosnan, is that a name you'd be okay with uh, as your Alfred? Or um, would you like to see someone else take the uh, the mantle? No, Pierce Brosnan is a really good actor, man. He's one of my favorite Bonds, and I think he would be terrific as Alfred. He has he would be able to pull off the military Alfred um, that we saw Jeremy Irons portray, um, and even to some degree Sean Pertwee from Gotham. Uh and, yeah. you know, I know that we've seen the butler-type Alfred in most of the movies, but you have to remember, in most of the movies we've seen, even when Alfred Goh was playing uh, Alfred in the Tim Burton movies, and, you know, and then uh, Batman Forever and, you know, Batman and Robin, um, he was still very hands-on with what Bruce did as well. So um, I don't think he has to be the kind of the strict military type butler that Alfred was in Snyder's universe. Um, but I think we can get that with, um, I think we can get that with Brosnan. I think Brosnan would probably be like how Sean Pertwee was in Gotham, where he was the butler, the father figure, friend, but he was still very hands-on, getting his ass kicked every episode, uh, nearly <laughs> dying every episode. I think that was the the kind of Alfred we would get. Um, so, no, I mean, I think this is really good. Now, I know a lot of people didn't run with this, but I did some digging, and I know that, that uh, the person that I sourced, uh, he hasn't had a lot of stuff on Twitter, but he has had some stuff on uh, Instagram. Uh, he actually was one of the first people that said Pattinson was in the running for uh, Batman, and I saw Batman on film, giving that guy some credit. It's like, you know what? I'm going to run with this. You know, I put it as a rumor. Um, but so far, a lot of people have, uh, have been really on board with it. They would like to see that. Of course, you know, you got some people that are trying to say, well, 
How can he be, you know, he's almost the same age as Jeremy Irons. How can he be the, listen, people, as I'm a Snyder fan and I love the DCEU, but let's face it, man. Matt Reeves wanted this movie to be his own from the get-go. He wanted a younger Batman. He got a younger Batman. And he's going to have his own Alfred. We're not going to see Jeremy Irons as Alfred. We're not going to see probably J.K. I mean, uh, uh, J.K. Simmons come back as uh, Commissioner Gordon. It's just not going to happen. Matt Reeves is going to want his own cast. And that's okay. You know, just we need to just get over it and be happy. So, I think Bronson would be great. Um, you know, who knows if it's going to happen or not. But, yeah, I mean, I think he would be a good choice. Yeah, I, I I don't know where those people are coming from, but I would hate it if they brought back um, Jeremy Irons and J.K. Simmons because it's like I'm bringing back everyone else in that, in that Snyder world for Batman except for Batman. Like, no, rip the Band-Aid completely off. Completely recast everybody. Um, I, I'm completely fine with that. Um, but, I mean, to me, he doesn't have to be the military type. I, I'm not saying he has to be. That's just what I want him to be. Um, my favorite Alfred from the cartoons was um, Beware the Batman. And that Alfred was, was very hands-on and did not get beat up a lot. Um, and he was, also, he was also wrecking people with one good leg. So, I mean, that's, that's the kind of, you know, super dope Alfred I want. And, who better than the guy that used to be James Bond to come in and be your Alfred? Um, so, I mean, I, I would have absolutely no issues with it, but I could also see Pierce Brosnan as um, Commissioner Gordon. Um, so, I mean, plenty of things Pierce Brosnan could do, but him being in the Batman world is definitely a plus. Um, Tia, how would you feel about Pierce Brosnan as your new Alfred Pennyworth? Well, the thing is that's really funny because you mentioned the age thing and a few people obviously were mentioning that as well online. But I looked it up. Pierce Bronson is an, oh, God, Pierce Bron- I can't talk. He's only <laughs> one year He's only one year younger than Jeremy Irons. So you're really not going, say, that much younger um, than Jeremy Irons, who to me, already was a pretty young Alfred. I mean, as far as, like, compared to what we've seen before. I think it would be cool, as you guys said, if you want to say more of a hands-on Alfred, who's better than a former James Bond, um, arguably one of the more popular James Bond um, actors. So I would be perfectly fine if they decided to make him the new Alfred for Robert Pattinson's uh, Batman. I think that would be a really interesting combo, and I would love to see how the two of them bounce off of each other, um, just because, you know, Alfred may be, quote-unquote, sometimes a just the butler, which we all know he's much more, but he's very important to Bruce Wayne, and if they don't, you know, maintain that sort of relationship, that's just going to be a waste. So it's going to be interesting to see um, if this report comes true, how the two of them work on the screen with each other. Yeah, I, I, I think their chemistry could be really good um, on screen. Um, you know, Robert Pattinson and Pierce Brosnan, but um, it, it's definitely a good casting if that's where they decide to go with it. But as Cannon said, at the top of the topic, it is just a rumor. Um, we are not stating this as fact. It is just a rumor. Um, but we know we'll and, never hear it from 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, Pierce Brosnan and uh, Robert Pattinson have worked together before. So if they work together with the Batman, uh, this would be their second time working together. So they've got some chemistry. So I think that would be uh, a good choice. They know each other, and they, like I said, they've worked together before. So, I mean, this would be kind of a cool reunion for the two. Yeah, and to me, I want Robert Pattinson to be as comfortable as possible um, in this role. So, I mean, it's, you know, he's sitting with Matt Reasons. Like, I would like that guy as my Alfred. Um, yeah, I'm completely for it. And I'm not saying that this was Robert Pattinson's uh, pick. I'm just saying if it is something that he's saying he's comfortable with, go with it. I want this guy to be as comfortable as possible, as happy as possible. So in five years, we don't have to have a conversation of getting another Batman. Um, so however comfortable you need to make this kid, you make him as comfortable as possible. Um, but all right, let's move on. Um, John Wick's director joins Birds of Prey to work on new action scenes. To work new action scenes. Sorry. Um, this topic is a, a bit dry. So I want to ask you this, Kanan. Um, obviously, your thoughts on John Wick director coming in to work on action scenes. The the main question I want to ask you is if He's, he is doing this, uh, which obviously he is. Do you still believe that the um, the release date will stay for February, or do you think it might be pushed back a little bit? No, it's not going to be pushed back. This is all part of the allotted schedule that they have. Uh, this is going to ha- these reshoots are supposed to be within a two to three week period, uh, maybe four weeks, uh, but they're supposed to be finished before the start of production on the Suicide Squad. Uh, So, no, this isn't going to push back the date at all. The film is finished. Uh, These reshoots are to kind of go in and add more action scenes. Uh, So, I don't think think all of the cast is even going to be there. Uh, Kathy Yan won't be on set, uh, which is the director. Um, I don't think Margot Robbie is going to be there either, but if she is, then she will finish up her scenes and then she will immediately go to work on the Suicide Squad. Uh, so, no, this isn't going to top anything. This isn't as big as everybody's making it out to be uh, based on what I've heard. Uh, these are just, like I said, these are just reshoots that are going to add more action uh, to what has already been in the film. Uh, he's even taken an uncredited role. Uh, I think the reason why he's coming on board is because his uh, stunt company – has been working with this film since the beginning and he's just kind of coming on and he's just going to do kind of a hands-on approach to, to see the, uh, the reshoots, uh, you know, completed, but it's not changing anything story-wise. If that were the case, then uh, Kathy Yan would be on set. So it's essentially uh, a routine checkup. Essentially is all all it is. Just, just a little touch up. That's all it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I I still say this. This this movie is trending on very thin ice with um, not giving us a trailer sometime this summer. Now, of course, I think the smartest thing to do would be to release this trailer with Joker. It won't, but it'd be the smartest thing to do. Um, You've got to build this hype train soon. Um, We still haven't even got a second trailer for Joker. I know, I know, I know. But to me, I think that first trailer sold a lot of people. Like, you either liked it or you didn't like it. And the second trailer isn't going to change either either, either side of that. But when you're doing a movie 
um, like obviously like Birds of Prey, it has, and this could be very unfair for me to say, but it has a stench of Suicide Squad on it. A lot of people feel like it's just an extension of Suicide Squad. So the best way to get that out of the conversation well before February would have been to release a trailer during Comic-Con um, or release during Joker. The earlier, the better. That way, if there's anything that people are like, ah, that looks really bad or whatever, you still have time to go in touch a few things up. If you do it closer to February, it's kind of just like, well, whatever you have, that's it. Like, you're not going to go in and, and change anything. That, that's it. What you saw is what you're getting. Um, and I don't think if you're Warner Brothers in D.C., you're in that well of a space to just say, no, nah, forget it. We'll put out the, the trailer in October, November, and, you know, whatever they see, that's what they get. I don't think it's a smart thing to do if you're Warner Brothers. And I'm really curious as to why they decided for that film specifically. Wonder Woman, you can wait. I don't think it was smart for Birds of Prey to wait. Canon, I am curious. You know, do you agree with that at all, or do you think it, it's fine that they're waiting as long as they are? Um, I would like to see a trailer by September. Um, I was really shocked we didn't get anything to I mean, anything Birds of Prey at Comic Con. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, okay, I can understand maybe Wonder Woman uh, to some degree. Uh, I still think they missed out on showcasing Wonder Woman. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that if we don't, I think we should definitely have a trailer by. Uh, September. I don't think we will. I think you're right. I think if we do get one, it will be in October. Uh, so that would be um, October, November, December, January, February. That would be four months before the release date. Uh, so we would maybe get one more, or you know, or if, you know, so we may get two trailers. Uh, I don't know whether you know really what's going on, man. Warner Brothers seems to really be lacking in the. Uh, in the marketing department, as you recall, a lot of people complained about Shazam's marketing. Uh, they said that, you know, it took them forever to release a trailer. They just didn't show a lot of footage uh, with it. And some people think that that might have been what hurt, um, you know, hurt the film box office-wise. They put a lot of – I feel like they showed a lot of trailers and stuff for Aquaman. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know really what they're doing. Uh, they're not showing a lot of stuff for Joker. We haven't seen anything for uh, Wonder Woman or um, Birds of Prey. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, something real quick I want to add, though. Um, I have seen a rumor. I don't know how 100% it is, but I have heard that uh, Jared Leto might have done a voiceover uh, recording for – uh, Birds of Prey. So I don't know if that's going to be the scene. We saw the photos of him throwing her stuff out. Maybe he recorded a voiceover. So like we don't actually see him, uh, but we do hear his voice. So if that's the case, then hey man, maybe Jared Leto's not done uh, 100% as the Joker. Which I think is good. But to me, I, that's why I said, Kanan, UNT and know how much I love marketing because I think it's undervalued in today's movie society. The best way to sell this movie, and again, I know it has nothing to do with each other, but bear with me. The best way to, to uh, market this to release it with the Joker trailer. And then you could have a voiceover of Jared Leto's Joker in the trailer because no one would see it coming. No one would see it coming. They sit in the theater. It was just like when um, Christopher Nolan released just the teaser trailer for his, his new movie at the start of Hobbs and Shaw. No one really knew that was coming. 
But it was so weird to see it. You're like, what did I just see? Like, that was crazy. So if you put it during the Joker movie, um, it not only builds the hype for people to see that Joker movie, but it also builds the hype of, wow, I forgot that we had another Joker in Jared Leto. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was really cool to hear his voice. It was cool to see Ewan McGregor, Harley Quinn back. Um, I just think marketing-wise, it's best to loop it with it. Um, but even if you don't, loop it with it. Loop it with um, – uh, you have a few other things you could loop it with. But the later you wait, I'm telling you, Warner Brothers, I am telling you, the later you wait, the worse it's going to be, especially if once you get the press seeing this movie and they don't have good reviews on it, it's going to destroy this franchise well on before it starts. That's why hype I'm train should begin. Go ahead. I'm just going to say, I'm telling you right now, dude, this movie's either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. And I, when I say bad, I mean a complete dumpster fire. I'm not saying, oh, it's divided the fan base like Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad. I'm talking like if this movie is a dumpster fire, then – who knows where DC goes. But I'm telling you, I really think Birds of Prey could be this type of movie. And, I mean, I'm I'm really nervous about this film, dude, honestly. Like, I've heard stuff about it that makes me think it's going to be really good. And I've heard some stuff, and no, not from Grace Randolph. I know everybody's going to be like, eh, Grace Randolph, no, it's not from her. I've just heard some stuff, man, that I'm just like, I don't know, dude. I don't really know how this is going to work out. So, We'll have to see, but it, this movie really just scared me out of anything DC's done so far. Yeah, I just I, I think if you have if you have a studio to where your superhero movies are always divided, uh, I know a few people. Someone part of Geek Box Nation wasn't that uh, big on Aquaman. Um, I wasn't that big on Shazam. I did have fun with that. I don't think it was a bad movie, but it could have been a thousand times better. Um, so I mean, you you don't wait is what I'm trying to say. Like, you do not wait. You put it out as early as you can, um, especially, like, if you learn anything, just something from Sonic. Like, it was good. How good was it that they put out that trailer when they did? So we can tell them how stupid he looked. So they have time to fix it. But picture if this Sonic trailer came out later this year, and it, it, the first trailer came out later this year. And then it's kind of like, well, now you look like an idiot if you, if you push it back because it's so close to when you were trying to put the movie out. Um, so now you have to push it way back. So to me, I think if you're Birds of Prey, like you said, Cannon, um, what they're doing right now with the action scenes, it's, it's part of their allotted time, so they're not rescheduling, they're not pushing the movie back, it's still coming out at the same time. Great, right? All that sounds great. But I'm telling you, once you get one of these reputable um, you know, uh, media sites saying that the movie was not good, it, it, it's not going to do you any good. And I know a lot of people are like, well, even if they showed the trailer at Comic-Con and people still came out and said it wasn't good, people still wouldn't go. But the difference is you would have the trailer. So if you like the trailer, it doesn't matter what they say. You still would be willing to give it a chance. But if there's no trailer and you're already hearing people say they're not hearing good things, your mind is set before heading into that trailer about what the movie's already going to be. So I think that is, is where the, the struggle comes from to where I'm like, you're just not doing yourself any favors. Tia, I have not heard from you um, in, in a while. So before we move on, do you see that as a calculated risk 
by waiting to put out the trailer, or do you think it's smarter that the earlier the better? Not necessarily so if, you know, you have a chance, a chance to fix things, but it's just so you could start the hype train earlier. So even if a bit of negative comments come in here and there, people are so hyped with seeing Black Mask or seeing how cool Harley Quinn looks with her, um, whatever those things are, those pets that, that she had back in the, the cartoons. Um, you know, just seeing cool shots so you could at least be hyped on that. But we haven't seen anything. And I think the longer you wait, the worse it's going to be, not the better. But how do you view that, too? Well, first of all, I was so happy that Kanan, um, what you call it, mentioned uh, Grace Randolph because I was waiting for my comment. Um, because when they were talking about the fact that they were going in and doing reshoots and Grace was like, oh, good, they'll get the the Suicide Squad off of this movie. They'll de-Suicide Squad it. And I'm like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Like, I, to me, that was just like such a dumb comment. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to mention that because I know, Juwan, that you are obviously, like, the biggest fan of Grace Randolph. I'm saying that uh, live on this show. Juwan, biggest fan. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, I despise that woman. I despise her <laughs> with every being in my body. But uh, go ahead, Tia. No, they certainly need to start the marketing because I think a that if you're not someone who is on like social media a lot, you may not even know that this movie is in production. You may not even really be aware of it. And you need to start showing things. People are already skeptical about this movie, considering um, the director really hasn't done much at all. People were unhappy with the casting of the other characters, not, um, you know, uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. But then you kind of had that one teaser where you showed Ian Ian McGregor and talk about a character who's always wearing his mask, and you have a character called Black Mask, and you show him, and he doesn't have the mask on. And I just think that what they showed, um, that little tiny, tiny, tiny glimpse, was not enough to get people hyped. If anything, it was enough to get people um, turned off by it. So you really need to start showing things that will say, like, hey, this is going to be a good movie. This is something that we are really dedicated in giving you. It's going to be great. Um, They need to start the hype because there are way too many people out there who are completely ready to shit on this movie and make fun of it, say how terrible it's going to be, and you need to just show something. And I don't mean to come at this stance, but from what I've seen on, say, social media, you know, people, excessive fanboys, you know the types that I'm talking about hate seeing female-led movies. They hate seeing that it's going to be like a female-centered movie in the DC universe. And so they're already ready to shit on it. Like all those who came after Captain Marvel are so ready for this movie. And you need to start hyping it so at least everyone is going to be um, excited for it. Because I don't think necessarily the weight of DC is on the shoulders of Birds of Prey like it is in other movies. But it's, as Kanan said, it's going to be really interesting to see 
what DC does is this movie is complete and utter dumpster fire. It will definitely make him take a step back. I, I don't think it's do or die with Birds of Prey. I no. just think in a universe where you've had more bad-reviewed movies than good, you can't afford to have any more bad. Um, and I'm not by any means saying I think this movie is going to be bad. I just know that the hate for DC is very strong. So it only takes one movie right now in their course of good movies to make people just completely go off the rails. Um, and I'm saying don't put yourself in that situation. Best thing to do um, out of a negative situation marketing-wise is try to build a hype train. And the best way to have done that would have been, honestly, you know what they should have done? And, Kana, I think you'll really appreciate this. They should have approached Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn the exact same way Fox approached um, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Let, Har- uh, let Margot Robbie do a bunch of Harley Quinn marketing um, to where she's doing commercials for stuff that you wouldn't expect Harley Quinn to do commercials for. Um, you know, like have her do a, a commercial about um, pets and like how you shouldn't do fur and stuff, but she's wearing fur. Like have her do funny things to where you're kind of just like, this is Harley Quinn, and, like, I really love this. So at least if the movie isn't all that great, the marketing at least got people hyped enough to, to get into the seat to see for themselves whether or not it, it's a good movie. I just think you're missing out the more you use characters like Harley Quinn and don't maximize uh, marketing with her by having her do a lot of what Deadpool did. Like, Deadpool, I keep trying to remind people, Deadpool did The Bachelorette. He was on a commercial for The Bachelorette. Like, that was genius. So, to me, use Harley Quinn more like that. Use her like a Swiss Army blade or Swiss Army knife, sorry, um, to where you're using her in a bunch of different ways to where you're just building the hype. I just think you're missing the boat by not doing anything. Um, but, all right, let's, um, let's move on. We got a few more topics. We actually did really good going through all these topics, guys. Um, all right, so Disney Plus is looking to crack down on password sharing. Good luck. Um, no, but one thing I do want them to be careful with is with doing password, um, you know, cracking down on it is I did see someone on Twitter saying that, you know, like, all right, is you know, I have a family of five, right? So everyone has their own room. They're all going to want to watch Disney plus in their own room. Like, don't tell me that I got to get everyone in one room. Um, and we have to watch one thing and we all have to agree on it because we can't use the passwords in, in, in different areas. Um, so, I mean, there's a few things that you're going to have to really crack down on, but if the true thing you're trying to reduce is people not being able to use it that aren't paying for it, there's literally nothing that stops me from just inviting those people over to my house to then use it there. Um, so, I mean, it, it's not a perfect idea, but I get why they're trying to do it because we completely, completely stole from Netflix. I know at least 30 people right now watching Netflix that did not pay for it. <laughs> so uh, I completely get what Disney Plus is trying to do. But, Kanan, my question to you first, how effective do you think they could honestly be with cracking down on password sharing? I mean, if they do it something where it would – if you logged into the service and then you logged into another service, um, you know, through a different IP address uh, or a different location – then I could see them maybe having it to where it's like, hey, 
uh, you need to log out of the other device first before you log in here. Uh, I think they'll. I think if they are able to determine that you're in the same household, uh, then that might be you know that might be different to where you can, uh, you know, allow your family and stuff to use it. I think it's just they don't want you to give it to a friend and like, you know, Atlanta and you're all the way in California and you're both trying to. Uh, log in, they're going to be like, whoa, 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 you know, like something, something's up here. I don't know how effective it's going to be. I mean, but I think they could, I think they can probably uh, restrict it. They definitely can restrict it. I just, I, I, the problem you're trying to solve, I don't think you're completely solving, but I mean, you're making it only six ninety nine. I think a lot of people could swing the six ninety nine. but Tia, how effective do you think Disney can truly be with cracking down on password sharing for Disney Plus? I mean, as you said, good luck. I mean, they could certainly do something like Netflix does actually have something in place that um, more than two devices that are logged in can't play at the same time because um, let me not say anything, I guess, on air, but, uh, you know, the Netflix does have that in place, so it's not that other streaming services don't have security that prevents, you know, uh, password sharing. It's just, as you said, if you have a huge family and everyone wants to watch it in separate rooms, how are you really going to avoid that unless they come out with some shit where they're like, oh, upgrade for a family plan, which I do think Netflix also has. Um, So I don't know if they're going to be effective or not. I mean, we're in the age of... all of that, but I did read that they were trying to work with some technology company to put more security features in place so that more, you know, password sharing could be limited. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I don't know. Good luck with it. <laughs> Honestly, that's I mean, what everyone does. I mean, it could be as simple as tracking the IP address. So, like, as long as you know, the IP address is the same when you log in. Um, like, a thousand people can use it in your house. But it's only when the IP address is clocked in somewhere else that it's like, no, 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 no. You're not using it at your house. But then the danger in that is, dude, I went on vacation. Like, <laughs> I'm in the Bahamas trying to watch Netflix. Of course, the IP address is different. So, I mean, there's ways to do it, but then there's ways where it could backfire. So, I mean, all I'm saying is this. Look, find a way to do it to where, you know, you're not getting screwed with people using other people's accounts, I guess. I don't really know how you still truly stop it. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if I don't want to pay for Disney+, Plus, I'm just going to go over to Joelle's house and watch it. So, I mean, you're not truly stopping me, but <laughs> by all means, you, you do your best, Disney. Uh, but, all right, our last topic. Um, Martin Freeman will reportedly return as Everett Ross in Black Panther 2. That's not really anything to really chew off of. So my more interesting question, starting with you, Tia, is with that casting being announced so early, I think Ryan Coogler is still working on the script, if he even started yet. Um, how soon do you think it'll be before we start to hear more uh, of the returning cast? Um, which, uh, I, by the way, I love your summary of Martin Freeman being that. I'm like, yeah, okay, he's the most boring character in the movie. Um, uh, Arguably the least uh, valuable character in uh, Civil War. I mean, when they put him in the first Black Panther, I was like, really? 
you know, really? Okay, all right. Um, but what's your call? Oh, my God, where are we going with this? I don't think that we're going to see really anything until maybe the beginning of 2020 because at that point they're going to start the, you know, uh, promotions and stuff for Black Widow, right? So then you're going to kind of be back on the Marvel swing. So I feel like that would be the perfect time to start putting more announcements out there of who we should expect in Black Panther 2. That's very fair. That That's very fair. It's just weird that this, I mean, this came, I believe, came, and correct me if I'm wrong, this came from Martin Freeman saying that he's returning he to Everett Ross, right? Right. So, I mean, you could he, have I think others. he said he hopes to return. I, I don't think it's confirmed 100% that he's coming back. I don't see a reality to where he's not. Um, I just, I, I don't see it, especially if they do go the Tale of Two Kings, where it might be T'Challa versus Namor. You do need United Nations, and he does play a role in kind of bridging the United Nations with Wakanda, I would assume. So, I mean, assume he would be back. I don't need him to be, but Kanan, I'll pass it to you. Um, do you think it'll be long before maybe we start hearing more from um, uh, the the cast from the first Black Panther movie saying that they're confirmed to coming back also? No, I don't think it'll be long. I think we could. I think we could definitely hear something uh, even this week at D twenty three. Yeah, I mean, to me, here's the thing: we all know how tightly lit um, everyone is that works for Marvel, let alone Disney, right? So if he said this, even if he said it in the vein of I hope to be back, those are questions usually they would say, oh, I have no idea. Like, I, I don't know. I don't even think they have a script yet. So the fact that he entertained it means that we probably will get an announcement at least of what the movie will be called. And then as the year goes, uh, as, as the year starts to end and we get into the new year, like you said, Tia, I think that might be where we get more of, um, who's coming back, who are new characters that are being introduced. Because the last time I heard Kanan, um, Ryan Coogler hadn't started writing the script. I believe last time Feige spoke about it, he said that um, it was to the point to where he was trying to get with Coogler and the producer to kind of get an idea on what what he, you know, what they had in mind of going forth with the, the sequel, and then he was going to start writing the script. So I don't know if Coogler even started the script. So I, I think we could maybe get a name of the movie at D23. Because um, to me, don't tell me who's coming back if I don't have a name. I, I don't really have interest at that point. <laughs> like, give me a name, then tell me who's coming back. I think it should be in that order. But um, you're saying possibly D23, right, Kanan? Uh, that I think we could definitely hear something. Uh, because I've heard we might hear a little bit more about uh, phase five at uh, D23, like uh, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, maybe even some Guardian stuff. Oof. I just want Blade. Hurry up and give me Blade. I need it. Do you um, think... All right. Go ahead, Tim. Do you think that at D23, because this is nothing's confirmed or anything, I don't think, but maybe even a third Ant-Man, because it's, you know, most of these movies have trilogies, honestly. And it's already had two movies. So when is a third one coming out, and are there plans for a third one to actually happen? 
I honestly think, and then I'll go to you, Cannon, I don't think it's Ant-Man and the Wasp or Ant-Man, really, three, is in their plans right now. I think Ant-Man is one of the uh, the franchises in the MCU, quite like Thor, towards the, you know, the first two movies, just didn't perform that well. Um, so I might take, like, a small break, maybe in the same phase that Blade comes out, you introduce Masters of Evil. Um, in an Ant-Man, um, you know, to complete the Ant-Man trilogy. I just don't know if that's a franchise they're rushing to do a third movie on. Kanan, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't heard anything about a third Ant-Man movie, so it's not in their Phase 4 plans, and it's so far not been anything reported for Phase 5. But, uh, I mean, things could definitely change. Yeah, I just think they looked at, to me, I thought both movies were good. So the fact that they didn't perform well tells you that you weren't doing something to really grab the international, um, you know, uh, space of, of, of the uh, the box office. I, I don't think it did that great overseas. I could be wrong. Um, but it's just one of those movies that's like it could only do but so much. I mean, it's essentially the movie about a guy shrinking down. Um, so it's only but so much you could do. But I think if you bring in Masters of Evil – give them some really, uh, you know, good villains to kind of work against. I think you can really get things going with that. And now the idea that his daughter's older, maybe she becomes um, who she was in the comics. So there's stuff to play around with. But I can say right now to you, when Paul Rudd was like, you know, right into to Marvel and say you want a third movie, I think he was very genuine in that because I think Feige told him, we're, we're probably not going to talk anything about a third movie anytime soon. Um, so if at D23 we hear of Phase 5 and it doesn't have it in it, I think you kind of have your answer there. Because we know it's not in Phase 4. Phase 5, I can almost guarantee you, probably won't have Ant-Man in it. Um, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think you have a cast that you can kind of pull for a Disney Plus series. Maybe it doesn't need to be a movie. Um, so maybe they do something with that. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I mean, D23 is going to be a lot of fun. It usually does not disappoint. Um, so I actually I will ask you guys as we end the show, Tia, what's the biggest thing you want to see coming out of D twenty three? Oh, that's a that's a, a tough one. I feel like there's so much I want to see footage if it's any at all possible, which it probably isn't. We're probably way too soon on anything, but definitely more of Phase Five and even and I know we don't have a lot of time here, so wrap it up, but. Fantastic Four and X-Men because, you know, that's something that Kevin had even uh, teased at um, San Diego. See ya? All right, Kanan, uh, what are are you most looking forward to um, out of D23? I'm looking forward to the Obi-Wan Kenobi news. I'm looking forward to more Disney Plus reveals. Uh, maybe even some footage uh, from the Mandalorian that we didn't get to see yet. Uh, maybe even some stuff from uh, you know some of the other series. Um, I definitely think we're going to hear a little bit more about Marvel. Um, but I mean, I really want to hear more about the Disney Plus stuff. Yeah. No, I, I just want to hear about Blade. Sorry, that is literally all I care about. Give me Blade. Give me more about Blade. Um, even bring Mahershal out. Um, but, guys, Tia, Kanan, thank you guys both so much for joining me. Um, I'm glad we had this episode. I had a lot of fun. And we got through all of our topics. 
Um, so I was telling me, there's no way you get into all those topics. We did it. Um, so thank you guys for joining me. Stay tuned. Tia does have an interview coming up tomorrow, um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, also check out the all-new episode of Top Ten and all-new episode of Geeks Against the Grain. Make sure you guys stay tuned for everything we have coming your way, whether it's websites, articles, giveaways, any of it. Stay tuned for it. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.